I met this, this week with some guys, and, and as I came in to meet, to talk about a thing we want to try and do called either Better Leaders or something where we bring some of the people in our church together who want to grow in their leadership gifts and skills. And, and as we were kind of processing that, I came in on their conversation, and they were talking about hiring. How do you find the kind of employee like Derek? How do you find these kind of people that really are there to serve and and to do so in ways that make a difference where you work? And as I was listening to that, I was reminded of, in fact, that was really interesting. That happened on a Thursday morning, Thursday night. I actually went to Village School of the Bible where they're doing business as mission. And I had an opportunity, and Mary's here, to hear Joe King, who they attend her church, and about King Technologies. And, And again, came up this whole idea of the kind of person you need to fill a role in, in, in what does that look like? And, and I, I was reminded again of this little truth a person that once had told me um, when they were talking about getting the right people to serve. And, and it's like, he said, you need to look for the four C's when you're employing someone. I mean, what do you mean the four C's? There's four critical C's. He said, one is calling, another is chemistry, and a third one is competency, and a fourth one is character. He said, those are the four critical C's whenever you make a hire, because calling answers the question, why are you here? And then the chemistry is the answer to the question, how do you relate to the rest of the team and to others? Competency is about what you do. It's your skills and your abilities. Do you have the skills and abilities to do this job? And character is about who you are, your integrity, your reliability, your, your truthfulness. And, and the guy shared this, and then he got done. And the same thing was happening on Thursday night with Joe and others that I've heard. And, and their, their statement was, character trumps it all. If there's one thing that's so important when it comes to those you hire, it's character. What is it about them that when they show up, you're going to get the person that you see who is someone who is truthful and honest and reliable and growing in kindness, all the different things that are around this idea of character. And so that's what I want to pose to you this morning. When you think about your work, whatever you do, it may be that you're in a part-time job, full-time job, it may be that you're a stay-at-home parent, it may be that you are in a retired place. Whatever God is calling you to do in your work, whatever that looks like, what's your character? You know, if you look at the word of God, immediately following the blessed are you, and the blessed are you are kind of statements. Blessed are you if you're poor in heart, if you are a person who are, is meek, if you have this hunger for what is right, righteousness. He, he says, here are some character qualities. He says, this is the kind of person that God's blessing lands on. And when he gets done talking about this whole idea of character, which when he ends it, he says, one of the things that will happen with character is if you do what is right and you do these kind of things, you will experience persecution. You'll come, you'll have difficult times. But then he makes a statement. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. He says in verse 14 through 16, you are the world's light. A city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds shine for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly Father. And what he's talking about here, when he talks about good deeds, it's not just the things you do, your work. It's the idea of the actions that flow from your character. Those are the things that people are going to see. It's the words that come out of your mouth from your character. Jesus said it this way, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth kind of bubbles forth. 
Just listen to someone long enough and you'll kind of get an idea what's in their heart. And so the question I want you to just think for a second about is who are you at work? Are you a light? Is your character showing up in such a way that the actions and words that come from you in your situation, whatever you do, pointing people to God so that they can go, praise God that this person works here, that this person gives their life in this place. Because your mission field is your work. You know, God created you, put you in the place you're in right now. You are where you are, and God has you in that place. You're the only unique one who can fill what needs to happen in this place. There's no mistake. He didn't call you to Africa. He didn't call you to Mongolia. He didn't call you to some other place. He didn't call you necessarily to be a pastor or a Bible teacher, and those aren't better jobs. Your job is the best job that you need for this time, for that place, Because that is your mission field. That is the place that God has given you to make an impact and to influence other people. It is not just a place to earn a certain amount of money to provide some security for your family. It does do that. It's one of the great blessings of work. But primary to all that is this sense, if you are a person who says, God, I want to live in your blessing, I want to grow in my character, as you begin to do that, you begin to transform your heart and your mind You're not conformed to the way the world thinks. You begin to say to yourself, boy, I have been blessed in order that I can be a blessing in this place. Stephen Covey writes in a book that still is popular today called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and it kind of took the business world by storm almost 20, I think 15, 20 years ago. He he says, I was deeply immersed in an in-depth study of the success literature published in the United States from 1776. And I noticed a startling pattern emerging in the context of the literature, in the content of the literature. Much of the success literature of the past 50 years was superficial. To be an effective, successful person in the, in the business field, he's saying, much of what was being talked about was, was superficial. It was filled with social image consciousness, techniques that you do, quick fixes. In stark contrast, he says, about all the literature for the first 150 years focused on character as the foundation of success. Things like integrity, humility, fidelity, temperance, courage, justice, patience, industry, and the list continues. He said to be effective and successful, if you looked at all that literature in those first 150 years, they all had one primary thought. You need character. And character needed to be developed. And so really what I want to talk about is, is these two things today. Is character matters and it can be developed. There's a recent book that's come out by a guy, who um, David Brooks, who writes the book The Road to Character. It's a very good book. And he, just, he talks about a study that he did of what he calls the world's greatest and most inspiring leaders. And he found in each of them that although they had their own inner struggles and although they had to come to grips with their own limitations, they all were about building character, making the kind of choices that was right and good and, and, and positive and moving in these directions that changed the environment around them. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3 these words in verses 22 through 25 and I'm going to paraphrase them because we've read them a few times. So this is the the Meyer paraphrase. Workers, whatever you do, do what you're told by those you work for. 
Whether you're boss, ministry director, or volunteer supervisor, don't do just the minimum to get by. Show some character and do your best. Work from your heart, not merely for the clock or the paycheck. Work for your real boss, Jesus, confident that you're going to get paid in full at a future time. See, character really matters. And one of the reasons God says this is because character matters because it, it actually honors the Lord. Um, if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 28 through 30, there's this interesting story. Eli is, and his sons have been called by God to be priests. They follow in the line of the Levites. And so now Eli is one of the priests. His sons are beginning to learn the job. And the job is really rather simple, but very important. They were to bring the prayers and the sacrifices of the people before God. Now listen to the words about them in the Old Testament. Here's what God says. E, uh, here's what Samuel writes. Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. So finally, God has a, had enough. And you get a picture here when you look at 1 Samuel chapter 2. God has what I would call a performance review with Eli. Now, I don't know if he had quarterly ones or he had yearly ones. But he kind of, it says, he calls Eli before him. And, and here's what it says. The Lord begins by saying... Didn't I choose your ancestor, your, one of your generations, Levi, from among all his other brothers to be my priest and to sacrifice upon my altar and to burn incense and to wear a priestly robe, robe as he has served me? It'd be like, you know, a president calls someone forward. Didn't I put you as one of my top advisors? Didn't I call you into this special place? And, and didn't I assign the sacrificial offerings to you, priests? And then... Why are you so greedy for all the other offerings which are brought to me? Why have you honored your sons more than me? For you and they have become fattened with the best of the offerings of my people, which were to go to, to God. In a sense, he's saying, you have no character. I honored your family line because they honored me. So here's what God says to him in the, in the performance review. He says, therefore, here's some of the consequences. I, the Lord God of Israel, declare that although I promised that your branch of the tribe of Levi could always be my priest, it is ridiculous to think that what you are doing can continue. I will honor only those who honor me, and I will despise those who despise me, because your work matters. What you do at work, who you are, how you show up, honors the Lord. Not only that, it gets noticed. Character matters because it gets noticed. Others see, they look on, they pay attention, not merely to what you do, but who you are as you do it. If you read through the word of God, you'll find story after story. Joseph, Daniel, Nehemiah, and many others who were promoted by those above them because it was noticed. I had a a person who I was meeting with who has been retired and was sharing with me a story. He goes, you know, it's really funny. You think that people just notice you when you're working. But after I retired, I still had these connections of people who were still paying attention to my life. And when I came down with a very grave illness, they would all be watching. They would call me. They were contacting me. They were watching to see even then, not just when I work, but even in my retirement years. Whether what I had said and how I had lived would change now that I knew that I had a potential death-ending disease. Because people notice, and that's why Jesus said, let your light of your character so shine through your words and your actions that people will see it. They're going to notice it, and when they notice your character, they're going to go, 
they're going to be kind of looking at you and then going, well, what is giving them the source to be the kind of person that they are? Because people notice whether you're reliable or not. People notice when you are kind and compassionate. People are aware when you are good, even when you know what you're going to do hurts, or, or when you do the right thing, even though it might cost you a promotion. I mean, people watch this stuff. People aren't blind to those who cut corners, and they're not deaf to those who gossip, and they're quite aware of those who sneak in a little bit late or boast or complain. These people notice. A story, and I won't go into it here, but there's a story about people notice whether you're truthful and honest. And in fact, there's a story of FDR and General um, George Marshall, the Marshall Plan that came through Europe, and he, he realized that democratic principles would not succeed on empty stomachs, so they, they built this Marshall Plan. And they tell about Marshall. At one point, he was, in, he was called in one of his first meetings, and FDR, everybody just, they all fawned on him. They all came around him, and they praised him. They laughed at his jokes, even when they were funny, when they were not funny, and all this stuff. And, and Marshall, one of the first times he was in there, FDR saying he's going to do something, and, and Marshall's response is, I'm sorry, President, but I don't agree with you. And, and, and everyone kind of looked around, and, and after the meeting, Secretary of Treasury Henry Morgenthau kind of came up to Marshall, knowing this was his first meeting, and said to him, well, it's been nice knowing you. But so determined was Marshall not to be seduced by FDR's charms, he actually didn't laugh at his jokes when they weren't funny. I mean, he had this kind of relationship, but he just spoke the truth without any, not tarnishing, you know, not holding anything back. Finally, it says FDR concluded that Marshall was an anchorage of honesty in a sea of flattery and guile, and FDR passed over many senior officers to move him into the top army position the next year. Because character matters. Not only is it honor God, it gets noticed. Character matters. You know what? why character matters in one sense, too? Now I'm going to get real personal about you. It's not necessarily about what others are noticing and what honors God. But here's the truth. Character matters because it actually builds self-esteem. When you think about your kids for a second, you can think about all the techniques that you need to do and all the kind of stuff they tell you if you do this. And, you know, we give out prizes for everybody who participates. And that's going to give them self-esteem. You know, the, the single most proven way to build self-esteem is the old-fashioned way. It's character. It's amazing. One author writes this. They talk about character. They say, think about it. When you do something in that moment for the moment's worth of pleasure or to avoid discomfort. So you are making a choice in the moment. In that choice, you are saying, I'm going to take the easy way. I'm going to go for comfort or I'm going to avoid pain. I'm not going to be honest or truthful. You live with the memory and the consequences of that moment for the rest of your life. Doing right is very challenging and there is rarely an immediate reward. The reward for doing right is mostly, catch this, is mostly an internal phenomenon. Self-respect, dignity, integrity, and self-esteem. Character matters because it will outlast and outperform reputation. This was so important to me at one point when I was doing some work on this as a leader because one of the things as a leader is that you begin to understand that sometimes you make decisions. I remember one time making a decision in one of my earlier ministries. It was such that I couldn't tell anyone else, even my own daughters, and, and this was like when they were in their middle school years and it had a great impact on them. And I remember just thinking, and they were angry with me, but I couldn't tell them because it would not have helped them. 
But it was of such a nature that it was so important that this decision needed to be made. And I remember thinking to myself, because I had other, it wasn't just kids, I had parents who were not happy and they were saying things about me. Here's one of the things you need to understand. As a person who is going to be a person of character, people are going to hold your reputation in, in their hands. And they will with their mouth and they will with what they have to say to other people they will, they, will, they will paint a picture that may not look like you. But character always outlasts reputation. Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, Paul makes this, and he, he's quoting Psalm 62, 12, and he's quoting also Proverbs 24, 12. This is such an important verse that it's actually quoted twice in the Old Testament. So Paul picks up and he says, God will repay each person according to what they have done. You go, wait a second, what about Grace. He goes on, he says, to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. He's saying when a person is touched by grace, the grace of God begins to change who they are inside. And when that changes inside, it begins to form within you someone who is becoming like Jesus. That's why we always talk about our mission here is very simple. It's to take our next step to know Jesus more intimately, to follow him more closely, and to become more like him in our character. And so he goes on, he says, he will give eternal life, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Simply put, who we are over time is a result of what we do, and we become our character. And this verse is so startling because who you are will outlast what you appear to be or even what you want other people to think about you. I remember when I was um, back in college, it was just a few years ago. Um, now, I say that because, I, don't you kind of, I live kind of thinking I'm like 24, 25 years of age. I don't look it, but I feel it. Well, sometimes I do with legs. Anyway, but I remember I was watching um, Johnny Carson. That dates me a little bit, right? And Johnny Carson has this guy come on. His name is, is, is Hammond Armour. And it's not the little box, you know, Arm and Hammer is what it is. It's not the little box that you see that you put in the refrigerator. In fact, he, he was very wealthy and, and he wanted to buy that Arm and Hammer brand, but they wouldn't sell it to him because so many people asked him, is this, is this your company? He'd have to say no, he wanted to say yes. But anyway, this guy, Carson and Ed McMahon, they just, I mean, I thought Jesus was walking on the stage. They were just like, whoa, and he had political connections, and he was incredibly wealthy. He, he, he owned this, this company, that, um, that uh, Occidental Petroleum, that was just making mega money, and he, he had all, he just, he kind of had the world as they looked at him. Do you know that when he died in 1990, at 92 years of age, it started to come out. He had laundered all kinds of money to Soviet spy networks. He had companies that he had built up that were actually funneling money into that. It started to come out that he had used and abused wives and had other women in his life. In fact, at one point there's a story about how he had one of his mistresses get a, a plastic surgery change and change her name so his wife wouldn't know who it was. And none of this was clear. It wasn't known until afterwards because your character, God says your sins will find you out. Your character is going to show up. And if it's a good character, even though there might be bad set, God will make sure that the good is shown over time. And Jesus made that very clear too. He says there's nothing that's concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. 
Your reputation is what others hold. And you don't have any control over that. What you do have a lot of control over is your character. And so here's what's so important as we move to this next part. If you understand how important your character is, and I'm going to just, I'm kind of looking at you, because I have to do this with myself. Really look in your, your, your own eyes. Look in your own heart right now. And really, and, and really examine your character. What you'll find is character matters so much to God because how much it matters to everything about not just honoring him and in the relationship to other people. It matters about what's going on inside yourself and what happens for eternity. Here's what's really super important to understand. You can make character, is, not only does it matter, character is made. You can develop it. It is formed. I want you to realize that right now, in, in your workplace, whatever it is you're doing, I may be a stay-at-home parent, and you're just kind of like, I am so tired of raising little kids. What in the, you know, it may be in your retirement years, and you go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my time, and God is saying, man, start praying about it, because I want you to be doing something. Or, or, or you're in this place in a work world situation where you're kind of going, it is really rotten here. I am, you might be in a really, really tough time, whatever it is you do, but I want you to understand that this is God at work giving you an opportunity to form your character. Okay, don't let that slide by. Character matters because character also can be made. And, and, and you have to understand that we've got to start thinking differently and go, okay, God, here's what's going on in my life. I'm paying attention to this, and now as I notice this, I understand there's something that you might be calling me to do in this situation. I, I, I saw a comic strip. Some of you remember the old Frank and Ernest comic strip? Anybody remember that? There were two bums. They're sitting against the wall. And they're conversing with each other. kind of just kind of sitting there with their bottles in their hand. And one says to the other, do you believe in fate? The other guy says, well, sure. I'd hate to think I turned out like this because of something I had control over. <laughs> Characters made one choice at a time. Characters made one choice at a time. You know, the Greek word for character in the Bible refers to a marking and engraving instrument. It's the picture of an artist who wears a groove in a metal plate by repeatedly etching in the same place with a tool. And the idea is that by our will, we choose, and that choice is like a tool that makes a mark, a small, sometimes imperceptible groove upon our soul and our being. Character is forged and fashioned as a set of distinctive marks that when you take them together, draw a portrait of who we really are. So every choice you make is important. It is a mark, even though it may be imperceptible. It cuts a groove, a slight groove into your being. It's one of the reasons I liked um, the trilogy, Lord of the Rings. Some of you may not have liked it. I had to read it in my freshman year, one of the first books, the one. Um, and then I got hooked reading the other ones. But one of the main themes, if you've seen the movie, if you can put up with hours of movie. Anyway, is this truth. This little guy, Frodo, every, little, every time he's challenged to choose, he's choosing between good and evil. And every choice, as you see through it, makes a difference. There's a guy named Gollum who, who made choices. He, he gave himself over to power. And what you see in that is choice after choice began to distort and disfigure his being. 
Every choice is character forming. Every self-centered, me-driven choice that moves towards an avoidance of something which is right and good and true, it begins to form something about us. It makes a slight imperceptible groove on our soul. Every choice that you make as you begin to develop character, which is the end goal for all of us, is love. Every choice that you make in those difficult times that you do to honor God, and you do it because you know it's right and it's good, it's the loving thing to do, it's the kind thing to do. I was talking to someone this um, Friday night, and they were telling me about um, an opportunity they had. They were actually working down at the Ryder Cup. Anybody had a chance to go to the Ryder Cup? It's kind of It's kind of fun. But this person says, you won't believe what happens behind the scenes. You walk around, everybody's happy and joyful. I was working in one of the tents behind the thing. And I had a person began to explain to me, you ever see the movie Misery of Kathy Bates? That was who she was. (laughs) And we were talking, and at the end of the night, we were praying, and we were actually just saying, God, how do you help move in this person's life in in such a way that whatever's coming from this other person, uh, that person will show the character to be able to forgive is the first thing to do. Many of you just got to get to a place where you forgive and you let go and say, God, I, I can't, this is not my job to judge this person. My job is to bless this person. So how do you move to that place when you feel like you're getting hurt and getting trampled on? It's character. It's one choice at a time. It's inviting Jesus into it. I remember we prayed and we prayed and the next morning we got a text. The text said, unbelievable, this person asked me. It was like, God was already at work in that other person's heart. And I don't even know if that's just because we prayed or because what happens in the spiritual realm when we begin to say, Jesus, get into this place, move in me, and if I'm going to have a heart that's responsive to you, I'm going to watch you work in my world. So every choice you make matters. And character, you have to understand, is made by many choices over time. It's not just one. It's many choices over time. There's an author, and these words are not known, but the truth of it is known by a lot of people. You've read this before. It says, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. And watch your character, they become destiny. It is kind of what the Word of God is saying there when Paul says that in Romans. When grace begins to work in your heart and begins to move in a certain way, or you begin to open your heart to God, God begins to, if you open up and become humble and you let him into your life, and you begin to say, God, this life is not about me, it's not about what I can get, it's not about, but it's really about you, and it's about how I can be a blessing to others, because you've blessed me. Parents, I just want to share with you, you have an incredibly great responsibility in development of your child's character. I want you as a parent and a grandparent, those of you who are grandparents, to hear this. While a child is under 12 years of age, you can actually train them through direction, discipline, and your own example to be respectful, polite, studious, industrious, truthful, kind, and reliable. Like training a child to brush their teeth. You know, you ask them to do it a couple times a day, and you, through your own direction, and as you kind of discipline them and, and, and help them in that, and you actually do it by example, what happens is eventually the character of the teeth becomes strong and good and healthy by those repeated actions, because many actions over time create strong teeth character. 
So in the same way, actions over time form a habit, and the habit becomes a part of the character, and it produces in that child, in those young ages, the opportunities for honesty and faithfulness and humility and all kinds of other things to happen. It's not some quick thing. It's not some technique. It's about character. Now, give this thought. When your children are young, you really do try to do this. You try to distinguish for them their sense of identity and their actions, right? When they're young, you say to them things like, okay, to little Johnny, you say, Johnny, um, I, I, I just want you to know that you're, you're a good boy and we love you, but what you did was wrong, was bad, right? Because their character is still in the process of being formed. They're kind of a wet cement, But at some point, character begins to set in, and adults, by actions done again and again over time, establish a character so that we actually, in the word of God, it actually identifies them by the sum of their behaviors. That's your character. We'll say things, even ourselves. we'll say things like, well, he's got a sturdy character, she's got a sterling character, or he's honest to the bone, or, or we'll say things like, she's just a good soul. The Bible actually says he was an evil king. She was a wicked person. Listen to this. Even cities, countries, and cultures actually develop a character and are called bad. It's amazing that we're talking about this because when you just look at, I mean, our country does need prayer. Those who often are at the top positions of leadership are anything but what we're talking about. Folks, we do not just have to pray for our country. We have to invest in our kids. We have to let them know that our families, not just us, but our families can develop a character. Your business, the business, if you are an owner or you're running something or you have a division of a business or you have, your business takes on a character and you get the influence that. So have you thought about what your character is like? Character, and here's one thing that, is, that I want to share with you. Character is not only important by the choice you make and by many choices over time, but character is made and established in the critical times. You know, there are certain times where character makes a deeper groove than others, and it's usually character arises in a time of crisis. So you're in a situation, you're in work right now, and it's one of those difficult things. And the choice you make in that difficult time is incredible and important to understand. You know how we talk about character, you know, is exposed in the time of crisis? You know, engineers know this. You put pressure on something and the weak part of that, of that machine will, will break. The joint will break. Or, or doctors know this. A lot of stress in a person's life, what happens? An area of weakness exposes illness. So also when it comes to our life and who we are and our character, in those really difficult, pressured times, what is inside comes out. And God does that for a reason because he wants you to see it. Because you know what? All of us have junk that comes up. And praise God for his love and his forgiveness. But he says when that junk comes up, here is the opportunity in this situation, in this critical moment, for you to make a choice, a choice that is loving and that builds what is right and what is good. And when you make choices in those most critical times in your life, they actually are the most deeply forming character choices you will make. 
All the other ones, yes, they're imperceptible over time, little, they kind of erode away. But there are times, and here's how God works, because our character gets formed in our childhood. And we can't sometimes be fully responsible when it gets formed there because we're reacting to things that are happening. But now we're adults. You and I, we're adults. As adults, we have an opportunity. And God comes in sometimes, he puts the pressure and the heat on something because he wants to melt it. He wants to break what has been put there so that now as it's soft and it's been broken, he can begin to establish something new in your life. And I just want to ask you to think about that. What is God wanting to establish in your character where you work? I'm just going to share one closing illustration. There's areas that I want you to look at. There's traits like integrity. There's faithfulness. Are you dependable at work? Are you honest and truthful integrity? Are you... You know, punctuality, do you show up on time? Are you ready and prepared when a meeting begins? Are you respectful of other people's time? Quality and excellence. Do you take an extra five minutes to, to edit something or to follow up on a call or to give attention to detail? There's all kinds of areas where character can show up. Attitude, do you show up energized? Are you positive? I uh, was given this by a man in a church. Some of you know Dan Madeira. And he shared this story with me. And I'm going to ask the, the team if they would come and, and get ready as we will take in a moment the caring fund offering. But just listen to this story. He says, I was an elementary physical education teacher for 31 years. The music teacher and I had been doing the specialist class schedule for the teaching staff for roughly 10 or more years. We, we're, when classroom teachers would send their kids to their physical education, music, art, and library. I was doing the scheduling with another person. We were welcomed at our opening staff meeting on the school year by our new principal. You know what that's like, you know, new boss. Our previous principal had retired after 22 years at, at school. One of the first items on the agenda was passing out the class schedules for the specialist times. He mentioned that 40 hours were spent creating the schedule. One look and everyone saw it was a disaster. And since Maureen and I had been previously doing the schedule, the teachers started coming to us and asking us to fix it or to make the necessary adjustments. So we did. Although the schedule we revamped was good, we had not sought permission from the principal and he was not pleased with what we did, but he let it stand. Not long after this occurred, I heard a message given by Chuck Swindoll. He spoke on Ecclesiastes 10.20, which says, Don't badmouth your leaders, not even under your breath. Little birds drop the crumbs of your gossip far and wide. And the message he said was on our responsibilities as believers in Jesus to our employer. And he said, we should do everything in our power to make our company succeed, our employer succeed. Those over us in authority look good because of our work. This is, of course, not including something like being illegal or unethical or immoral. That's a line you don't cross. He said, I decided to apply the message to my work. And everything my principal asked of me, I did promptly and with a good attitude. About nine months later, I was called into his office for my annual performance review. And after we discussed the assessment, he took off his glasses, looked at me, and said, you know, when things are said behind my back or people complain about me or what I do, it always comes back to me. During this school year, I've heard nothing negative coming from you. You did everything I asked promptly and cheerfully. Thank you. Is there anything you see as something you can do to make my job better? Surprised, Dan said. I I said, yes. Let me and Maureen take care of the scheduling specialist times for you. 
We know how to do it well, and it'll only take about two hours to make it an efficient schedule. He said, thank you. Go ahead and do it. He made a choice. I bet you throughout that year he made that choice many, many times. I bet you there's some really critically tough times he made that choice, not to gossip, not to say things. And he had a review, and in that review, a guy could look at him and go, you know what? All this stuff gets back to me, but nothing has come from you that's been negative. And how can we work better together? I'm going to ask the ushers to come. This time in the service, we always, on a communion Sunday, take a caring fund offering. And, and guys, I'm going to share with you, we just heard the report. We've given out like 40 some thousand dollars in this past year to help people in times of need. You have been incredibly generous. You have touched people's life. The character of your giving, I believe God just, it points to him again and again. Father, take these gifts and, and use them in the lives to, to help people in really, really difficult times, I pray, Lord.